Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, you got to let go of the grudge. Even if you're totally justified to be really, really mad, how it's only hurting you. That's next up on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Following a rough start as a public company, Facebook and underwriter Morgan Stanley are now facing lawsuits. Individual investors who bought Facebook are suing, saying the social network, as well as the stock's lead underwriter, Morgan Stanley, misled them. Dennis Palkin, a professor at Florida Atlantic University, is one of the lead plaintiffs. I thought the way the deal came off was very poor. He says that includes changing the price and adding more shares. There's also some reports I I found out on uh, earnings that they didn't disclose. They only disclosed it to a few people. Palkin bought 1,800 shares of Facebook stock at $38 each during the IPO on Friday. Julie Walker, New York. The Secret Service Director answered to a Senate panel today about the recent prostitution scandal. Secret Service Director Mark Sullivan says the agency has zero tolerance for this kind of behavior and does not believe it's a cultural problem. Were they asked whether they had engaged in similar conduct on other occasions? Uh, Yes, sir, they were. And what was their answer? Uh, Their answer was uh, they had not. But Wisconsin's Ron Johnson was among several senators who doubt it's a one-time event. I wish I could believe that. Committee Chairman Joe Lieberman revealed there were more than 60 allegations or complaints of sexual misconduct against Secret Service employees in the last five years. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. President Barack Obama has been addressing Air Force Academy graduates, saying that America is standing tall. He was giving a commencement speech, but at times it sounded like a campaign speech. The president hailed the end of the Iraq War, the wind-down of Afghanistan, and the killing of Osama bin Laden, plus strengthening alliances and the economy. He says all that's led to a new feeling about America. When people around the world are asked, which country do you most admire, one nation comes out on top, the United States of America. He even declared America led from the front in Libya, countering an oft-repeated Mitt Romney charge that on the world stage, Obama leads from behind. Mark Smith at the White House. Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney is also out on the campaign campaign trail talking about his concerns with American education. I don't like the direction of American education. Mitt Romney telling a Latino coalition summit in Washington that if elected president, he would push for a voucher-style system of education. Federal education funds will be linked to the student so that parents can send their child to any public or charter school of their choice. The plan is in line with GOP reforms aimed at giving students more educational choices. A White House spokesman says Romney's shift to education is welcome after a campaign season in which he says the GOP rarely mentioned the issue. Sandy Kozell, Washington. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your life coach here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. And every weekday we come to your um, your car, wherever you're listening to us, to give you some ideas, some tools, a little handbook for humanity, give you the ideas and tools you need to take your uh, relationships to the next level, your life to the next level, 
and hopefully let some stuff go. We don't need to carry everything on the journey that we call life. And so on this show every day, Monday through Friday, we're doing what we can to give you the the idea, the leg up on humanity. And so today we're going to be getting into a really, I think, critical topic. Now, as I sit down, I'm a relationship coach. I sit down with couples every single day. We have workshops and classes and as we go through and teach couples, it's the number one thing I've seen people struggling with is how do you get over somebody that's hurt you, especially somebody that you're married to, right? You've given your life to them. You never expected that they would hurt you like this. And now you're supposed to just forgive and apparently forget. Well, how do you do that? That's what we're going to be talking about on the show today, finding forgiveness, letting go of the grudge. How do you actually make that happen? Because it's, you know what? It apparently isn't an easy task. There's a story that just came out of a 74-year-old South Dakota man accused of fatally shooting his long-ago classmate in a grudge reaching back decades. And he pleaded guilty today, actually uh, on May 15th, pled guilty to being mentally ill to se- and to second-degree murder charge. Now, apparently, Carl Erickson was charged in January 31st to killing a retired Madison High School teacher and track coach, Norman Johnson. Johnson was shot twice in the face after answering his door at his home in Madison. Johnson's wife, Barbara, found him lying on the floor and saw a man walking to a dark sedan that was parked outside. An arrest affidavit suggests that the incident might have been sparked by a decades-old grudge that originated when Johnson and Erickson were students at high school. This guy had a grudge from high school, and 20-something years later, actually 50 years ago, um, comes out and starts needing to do something about it. He ends up shooting this man in the head or the face and is uh, is now going to jail. So um, how do you get over a 50-year grudge? Think about it in your life. As you're driving home, maybe that grudge is somebody at work. Maybe the grudge is who you're driving your car home to. Maybe it's your family, your children, your parents. It seems like everybody in this world has some reason to be mad. In fact, another story that just came out today that is probably um, another example of how grudges and and a lack of forgiveness can actually take over even our politics nationally or internationally. There's a story that came out. Remember that Osama bin Laden was captured um, a few months ago. And when he was captured, they found out that there was a lot of uh, work that was being done for years in order to catch him. Well, apparently a Pakistani doctor who helped the United States track down Osama bin Laden was sentenced recently to 33 years in prison for conspiring against the state Officials said a verdict that is likely to further strain the country's relationship with Washington, D.C. So now all of a sudden, the guy that helped us get Osama bin Laden, a Pakistani living in um, Peshawar, Pakistan, is now apparently just been sentenced to 33 years in prison. And um, everybody's kind of upset now. So we're sitting here. We think this guy's a hero. What this man does, he was a doctor, and he worked with the CIA to collect DNA to verify bin Laden's presence at the compound in the town of Abbottabad, where U.S. commandos killed the al-Qaeda chief last May. The operation outraged Pakistani officials who portrayed it as an act of treachery by a supposed ally. So it's treasonous, basically. 
He's now being charged. He's now going to jail 33 years for and this all goes back to the the historical times where we've uh, we've shot um, and, uh, you know we sent an- unmanned drones over into Pakistan to to capture some of these terrorists that have been hiding in Pakistan, and the forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness, I guess, culturally by our cultures by our countries. Now it's it's even spreading to the point that we can't all even celebrate, you know, a, you know the mastermind behind nine eleven. So this forgiveness thing, it crosses borders, it crosses families, it's everywhere. And today on the show, we're going to get in-depth and give you some tools and ideas for how to overcome it. We're going to be bringing on an expert in forgiveness who's going to give us uh, the tool set that we all need to do it. But before we do that, I think it might be um, even more important for us to, to, to try, if we could, to look for a good example, somebody who maybe you know, who showed us how to do it, somebody, some example of where you can actually forgive. And there's probably no better example of that than something that took place in the United States about six years ago. You'll remember this incredible story, a horrible tragedy in a peaceful Amish town where a milkman shot and killed five students in the schoolhouse, and then he shot himself. And at the time when a community had every right to be furious, this is how they responded. But on October 2nd, 2006, in Pennsylvania's Lancaster County, a 32-year-old milk driver named Charles Roberts was about to put the Amish belief in forgiveness to the ultimate test. Life has to go on. That seems to be the message from the Pennsylvania Amish community in the wake of Monday's deadly schoolhouse shooting. Tonight, four other girls remain hospitalized. Another student reportedly has been taken off life support. As family and friends say goodbye to the five shooting victims over the next two days, the Amish aren't focusing on revenge, but instead forgiveness. Um, They've grown up learning to forgive. That's part of their life. That's part of the, the fabric that makes up their community. And they have, in fact, forgiven the man and also embraced his wife and his children. The one bishop again this morning said, every day we have to sort of start over on this forgiveness process. Every family that I've talked to that's lost a child didn't speak of their child without also expressing concern and sorrow for his family. The family of Marion Fisher, one of the Amish girls killed in a schoolhouse on Monday, invited the widow of her killer to their little girl's funeral this morning. Uh, Even though there's a tragedy and many of us don't understand because our lives would stand still, in this community there are still crops to be brought in, there are cows to be milked, there are horses to be fed. That's Rob Sanders that put that together for us. Appreciate him. Um, What a powerful story, isn't it? To invite the family of the man that that killed your daughter to her funeral what a what a powerful way to heal to bring the community back together it's interesting um if you're if you're uncovering or trying to evaluate this concept of forgiveness the interesting thing to know about charles roberts who was the the killer um involved in that shooting with the amish schoolhouse Apparently, his motive for the killings laid in the loss of his own baby daughter nine years earlier than that. While his confession to his wife over the phone moments before carrying out the shooting, um, it, it's a big, big deal. He, he couldn't get over it. 
And um, he says, I am filled with so much hate toward myself because he had actually molested two young members of his family. And that was also part of his motive is he just wanted to be done. He says, I am so filled with so much hate towards myself and hate towards God and an unimaginable emptiness. So the interesting thing about the Amish is it's just not the way they work. In fact, one of the people that were interviewed says, it's not the way we think. There is no sense in getting angry, said Henry Fisher, 62, a retired farmer with five grown children and 33 grandchildren. It just is not worth it. This community is trusting. They don't expect somebody to come in and and uh, into the doors and just start shooting. He says, we want to forgive. He said, that is the way we were brought up. Turn good into evil. So that's what we're going to be talking about throughout the next hour of the show. We're going to be bringing on an expert who can give us some insight into uh, forgiving, an expert who can really take us, I think, to the next level and can share with us how to recapture our lives. Be thinking, where in your life do you need more forgiveness? Where do you need to turn something bad into something good? How do we change it by just learning to forgive? That's what we're talking about on today's show, the Matt Townsend Show, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Researchers trying to stop the spread of malaria have really made a buzz by battling the flying pests that carry the disease with lasers. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. A team at the Intellectual Ventures Lab is working hard to create new technologies to not just control, but eradicate malaria. The team believes that all mosquito-borne illness might one day be stopped by combining several methods of control. One way to help wipe out the disease is to eliminate mosquitoes that carry and spread it. Using mostly inexpensive secondhand parts ordered off of eBay, researchers built a prototype photonic fence, or fence of light. When a bug crosses this fence, the system uses a non-lethal laser to measure the size of the insect and the frequency of its wing beats. Using this data, software detects if the insect is a female mosquito that could carry malaria or other diseases. Once confirmed as a valid target and running safety checks to ensure no unintended object is in view, a second and more powerful laser shoots the mosquito down. Meanwhile, the lab is also developing technologies to make it easy and inexpensive to diagnose the disease quickly and accurately around the world. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. All the time I was building the big banana cup, people would they would say, oh, right, yeah, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I, I would hear that constantly. So I decided I am going to find those guys and throw down the gauntlet and challenge the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to a drag race. So we drove in convoy all across Pennsylvania. The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We don't get fooled again. That's why we don't forgive, because we're not going to be fooled anymore. I'm not going to be fooled by all you crazy people. Grudges, forgiveness. How do you live through a life 
and uh, get hurt. We're all hurt, right? And and make it through and let the grudge go. We're talking about them, and we're going to get you some tools on, on how to let go of some of these grudges today. Now, think about it in your own lives. Have you ever really uh, had a grudge or the inability to forgive somebody hold you back? maybe even destroy your life. Corinne Collins has prepared a featurette on a literary character that just couldn't stop himself from seeking revenge. Call me Ishmael. That is one of the most memorable lines in literature. Do you recognize it? Do you remember reading this book in high school? Or, if you're a literature scholar like me, in college? It's from Herman Melville's Moby Dick, a book I absolutely hated reading. 600 pages about a man chasing a whale? That's crazy. Or so I thought. In preparation for this show and grudges, I realized that this book just might have something to teach us. One, don't have a grudge against something you cannot possibly defeat. And two, well, maybe try not to have grudges at all. I'll follow him around the Horn and around the Norway Maelstrom and around Perdition's Flame. Captain Ahab's obsession cost him an arm and a leg. Well, just a leg, actually. But also his life and his family, not to mention the well-being of his ship and crew. Ahab's weakness is his desire for revenge, which, like the whale, ends up dragging him to the depths of the sea. Although Moby Dick has bitten off Ahab's leg, Moby Dick's human hunting is a product of Ahab's imagination, because after all... Who wouldn't want to defend themselves against a band of whale-hunting humans with harpoons? Moby Dick seeks thee not. It is thou, thou that madly seekest him. And it made me wonder, if like Ahab, our grudges can drag us away from friends, family, and other responsibilities, and if ultimately, those we hold things against don't even know that we are offended or upset by them. So, while I won't put this book on my favourites bookshelf, or even my to-read-again list, I think maybe Dick can teach us a thing or two. Some grudges just aren't worth it. That is Corinne Collins, who finally found an appreciation for Moby Dick. Uh, it's about time. She is an, uh, has a master's degree in English and is going towards a doctorate. She needs to appreciate literature. So we're glad that we can help you there, Corinne. Anything we can do to help, and we're going to be helping you all now. I mean, you've all read the book, and he did. He lost a leg, and it was hard. It's hard to chase the demons and um, not just learn to be able to give things up. So we're going to bring on Dr. Jim Dinkalsi, who is uh, – he really has an, an, an incredible mission, I think, um, about helping us all learn to forgive. And he's a, he's a person who has incredible experience just in counseling psychology, transpersonal counseling psychology, doctorate in religious studies and divinity. He understands kind of the spiritual side of forgiveness as well as the practical side, and he is going to give us some tools. He's also, by the, uh, the way, an author the, of the book, How to Forgive When You Can't, The Breakthrough Guide to Free Your Heart and Mind. Dr. Jim Dinkalsi, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure to be with you. It really is. I, uh, your first segment was very touching about the, uh, you know, the, the death that the people there uh, had to go through, yeah. and what what bravery and a power there is in being able to forgive at that level and not hold the resentment and the grudge that just pulls you down. Well, see, and in fact, I appreciate that's, that. Thank well, you. And I appreciate you saying that because 
when you think about it, it's neat that it's 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 this religious group, this Amish group. It just seems so inherently natural for them, didn't it? Well, it did, you know, and that's the surprise to me over and over when we have religions battling each other, mm-hmm. and even the same, you know, Christians battling Christians. Right, exactly. Uh, when we have an edict from Jesus about that, you know, yeah. forgive us our trespasses yeah. and, and as they, we forgive those. That's right. So how, so what, what's going on then, Dr. Jim, because what is it that's preventing so many people from forgiving? What, what's getting well, in the way? Because most of these, I mean, a lot of these people are believers. We just, do we not just believe enough? Yes. And we, I think more important than that, we've never been given the tools. Yeah. We have brain reactions, uh, which I hope, hopefully we can get into yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. There's defense mechanisms, you know, mental defense mechanisms. We've got the brain reactions, mental defense mechanisms that we have that prevent it. And then we have within the culture myths about it that are lies. I call them lies. Yeah, give us an example of one of the myths. Okay, well, like condoning. Forgiveness is condoning. Yeah, right. ah, I don't want to condone this, so I'm not going to forgive. But in actuality, if you condone something, that's one of the biggest objections. Mm-hmm. If you condone it, then you agree with it. Right. So, so you know? yeah, so right. if you're not agreeing with it, then you're not condoning it. Exactly. And I always say, forgive and set limits. Yeah. Another myth, let's hit this one, is you're supposed to forgive and forget. Right. Well, you know, that's a quote from the Bible, and it really says, God forgives and forgets. There's no, there's no statement that we should be doing right. that. Well, it's interesting. And we shouldn't can. be forgetting if you've got a brain, right? Exactly. <laughs> You're the not going to forget. The brain holds on to that stuff right. because of protection. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like we're not only misinformed, we're, in a way, we're, is it that we're miswired? Is, it the, is that the defense mechanisms and the reactions or just kind of more – we just kind of go with more of the natural reaction instead of kind of a higher reaction, a spiritual Exactly. Reaction. You know, resentment is easier for us. Yeah. Uh, resentment, some of the research done by Michael McCullough on the brain, resentment comes from uh, – uh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, resentment – gives you the same pleasure as chocolate. It lights up the same parts of the brain. Does it really now? But it's like having chocolate. Okay, you want to have chocolate? Yeah, a little piece every once in a while, that's great. But are you going to eat a bag full every day? What does that do to your system? Yeah, that messes up. Well, that's probably why people sit around and share it then, huh? This is why they share the resentment. They gossip. They Right. Yeah. In a way, you get a pleasure from it. But it comes from the lower portions of the brain, the earlier uh, portions of the brain that are with us. The highest part, the the neocortex, is where forgiveness is. Interesting. And And that's what makes us human, is that part, not those reactionary places that where we just, it takes over our, our, our whole life. Right. You know, like Captain Ahab. Yeah. And you can't think straight. No. You know, there's been a lot of nice research on forgiveness that shows uh, some of the good factors, good things that help us. You know, it heals really. This is, this is forgiveness training and scientific studies is shown to heal relationships. Yeah. It increases hopefulness, personal growth, 
self-confidence. Mm. It decreases depression, anger, anxiety, and improved compassion, spiritual well-being, and quality of life. Tell me we don't need that. No, no, we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is the right. answer to all that ails us. Exactly. To me, I don't even think you can do psychotherapy without forgiveness. That's where I come from. And if you're trying to, you know, another one of the objections is, well, I don't want to be with that person ever again. I can't trust them. Oh, interesting. That's 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 a good point. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Right. You can forgive and move on. Exactly. Then you You don't carry the venom. Yeah. You know, you, that's exactly it, because when you hold, I remember um, this woman just couldn't forgive her husband, uh, her ex, what he did, and she was poisoning her child, oh. poisoning their relationship, you know, the relationship right. with the father, and it was not helping anyone, because she was always upset, the daughter was always upset, the the ex was always upset. Why do that? Well, and it's interesting. It doesn't get anyone anything. No, and when you bring up the brain chemistry, and then it's this addictive kind of behavior, or this, and it's being validated chemically for you, then you just stay in it because it feels good, and you're messing up your family. Right. And you're messing up their future. Right, as, yeah. as most addictions do. Yeah, and none of us are really present and thinking about it. Yeah. That's amazing. And when we clean that stuff up, we can think more clearly in work. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we could clean my work, I call it uh, power forgiveness. It's not just forgiving one thing. Because when I hit rock bottom, I really hit rock bottom. Yeah. I, even though I was a psychotherapist, psychology wasn't helping me. Yeah, you knew. And I was at the bottom. I didn't even want to live. I had oh. the gun. Yeah. I didn't want to live. I wouldn't do it because of my daughter who was pretty young at the time, and I knew that how that would affect her. But that's where I was at. And luckily, I, uh, in, in the depths of that, I w- started reading some literature, what's going on with me. Mm. And I came across stuff on forgiveness, and I, and I realized that's what's needed here. I guess I need to forgive. Well, I wrote out 30 pages of stuff mm. that I needed to let go of. Oh, really? Just junk? Just the junk. And that was single-line items. Oh, my word. So that was a lot. 30 pages. No wonder I was depressed all the time. Yeah, you're carrying that around. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, it it wasn't just people. It was organizations. It was government. Mm. It was churches. (laughs) And I let it all go. And when I did... My connection, my connection with God became so much deeper. Wow! So much better, and and joy was with, and love were with me all the time for years. See, that's that's the goal. That's what we've got to figure out. Um, in fact, when we come back from the break, we're going to give you a big block of time to teach us how to do that. Because I'm sure everybody out there in listener land, they're, they're all just like, tell us, tell us, Dr. Jim, how do we do it? How do we do it? It's interesting, <laughs> too, that you went, you had to go to the depths to, to kind of the find depth. these answers, didn't you? Yep. Yep. That's powerful. And I had, I had inner help, and that made the difference. because, yeah. And I also had the psychology to back it up, which is yeah. why I wrote the book, because I, the book was about 
all the different methods I could find in psychology to help a person change their mind. Oh, that's beautiful. And and the neat thing is, is that's that's probably the most holistic answer I've heard in forever about how to heal. Is it's it's probably a mix of a little psychology, a lot of spirituality, a lot of just suffering and learning it your own self, studying it, and then you put it all together in a book. Exactly. Good stuff. We're exactly. going to take a break, Dr. Okay. Jim, and we'll be back after the break and, and let Dr. Jim Dinkalsi share with us his ideas, the methods to kind of let it all go. How do we flush the grudge? we got to get it out of our lives so we can take our lives back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio. Well, here's that uh, Charlie Chaplin tune, Smile. Here we go, guys. Rich, live, unedited music. The kind of music that takes you back. The kind of music only played on Highway 89 every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Iran is meeting with six major world powers today to discuss the future of its nuclear program. The Baghdad meeting is one of a series, the latest attempt to try to get Iran to stop enriching uranium toward weapons grade. The six world powers are offering some ideas, allowing Iran to enrich to a high enough grade for electric power plants, but Iran is demanding that economic sanctions be loosened in return. That's not likely to happen. Underpinning all this is a basic lack of trust. Iran says it has no desire to build nuclear bombs. Most in the West don't believe that. Mark Levy, Cairo. Free elections are being held in Egypt today for the first time in recent history. There are long lines of voters in many parts of Egypt for these elections. That's different from the past. There have been elections before, but they were rigged. Everybody knew that Husni Mubarak would be elected president. Now there are 13 candidates... The first free elections were present in the memory of many of these people. There's likely to be a runoff election next month. Then Egypt will have a new president, a person who will have to face daunting economic problems. Mark Levy, Cairo. The housing market continues to rebound as numbers show that new home sales are rising. The Commerce Department reports new home sales rose 3.3% in April. There were sales gains across the country except for the South. Economist Anika Khan with Wells Fargo Securities says the housing market is looking better overall. We'll continue to see just overall sales activity for the new home sales market as well as existing continue to increase. This follows news that sales of previously owned homes also rose more than 3%. All of this helping home prices to rise. Between low mortgage rates and a slowly improving job market, 
More Americans are easing in to home buying. Mark Hamrick, Washington. The British government is planning to ban any country guilty of human rights abuse from the Olympic Games. The government's planning to ban leaders guilty of human rights violations from travelling to Britain for the London Olympics, assuming there's credible and independent evidence of such abuses. Senior lawmaker Jeremy Brown says that anyone subject to an EU or UN travel ban will not be welcome too. The comments came days after Iran's president said he was eager to attend the London Olympics. He says he wants to be beside Iranian athletes, but he thinks Britain would not want to host him. Charles de Desmond, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show from BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. We are talking about letting go of the grudge. How do you how do you flush the grudge and get it out of your life so you can start to to live again and really live instead of carrying these burdens and all of the junk associated with it? How do you move on? We're talking to Dr. Jim Dincalci, uh, who is um, the author of How to Forgive When You Can't: The Breakthrough Guide to Free Your Heart and Mind. A wonderful man. Uh, he's got degrees in transpersonal counseling and and uh, just a doctorate in religious studies. He's just got some great insight. So, Dr. Dincalci, thanks again for being with us. Very happy to be with you. I really appreciate it. You bet. And um, tell us, okay, so you, you mentioned that you were able to go through this list where you kind of listed uh, 30 pages worth, single-spaced things that you needed to just let go of. Yes. And, um, and and you figured out a way how to do it and, and use some of your tools and ideas that you, you've researched out. I mean, the neat thing about these ideas, I guess they've just been out there. They're all over, and you've just gathered a bunch of them together. Tell us about some of the things that we should be doing. What are the most effective actions we could be taking in forgiving? Well, this is, you know, if I just want to say that this is a process. It's not going to happen uh you know, in a few hours, right. unless you have guidance on it. Yeah. And that, so I created this whole process. Do this if that doesn't work. Do this if that works. Do this. You know, okay, that yeah. type of yeah. schematic. Yeah. But the most important thing that I found when I was doing this is I had to have inspiration. Hmm. You know, and, and for me, it was to have... Uh, a, a deep communication with God, a, a, a sense of God in my life that was joyful and meaningful. So when I, ha- when I looked at it, when I looked at each thing, I'd go, okay, now do I want to have God or I, do I want to have this? But it could mm. be even a relationship. I want to have my children back in my life. Yeah. Okay, so do I want to hold on to this grudge? Or do I want to have my children? Interesting. It's the inspiration that carried me through, because sometimes I'd look at it, and it's like, oh, it's very justified, you know? Well, it makes sense. go of this. No, exactly. But then I'd go, okay, so I hold on to this, and then no God. Right. You know, for God, for me, it was God. You know, yeah. it could be uh, anything. 
just, for anyone, yeah. it could, whatever it is. But it seems like it seems like it makes sense because the way you've kind of framed the fact that this is an addiction in a way. This is just kind of a natural process that humans take to be reactive a little bit, punitive, and, and it, we benefit chemically. If it is an addiction, it's like AA. Then we turn it over to God and we find some light or some inspiration that can free us. Yes. And create, right. I guess, a space between us and our reactions. Yeah, and that's not easy, especially no. when you have the reactions, you know, and that's the reason for doing power of forgiveness, get rid of everything, so at least there's some space, or mm-hmm. you can create it. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you can get off it more easily when you do get trapped. Right. That's great. And that's really important. And then you're saying that you use the inspiration to also um, kind of help you have a little more clarity about what else is important to you. So if you Whatever it is that, that your lack of forgiveness is stopping you from accomplishing, you use that inspiration to, to kind of make it more apparent. Like, I want to be a better parent, uh, and, and I want to let go of this pain. Right. That's great. Right. So, and, and then I have, uh, well, I set it up into different categories of, of things that you can do. There are, like, perspective, changing perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful is to walk in the other person's shoes. Yeah. Now, how? Okay, let's talk about that, because that's what we, you know, we hear that. You have to walk a mile in my moccasins, and you have to take the high road. How, how do you actually go about changing your thinking about somebody, especially, I guess, when the data shows they've hurt you? Right. Well, and, and our first reaction is going to be blame. Mm-hmm. So we have to humanize the person. Yeah. What is their life like? We have to step into their world if we want to change the, our perspective. Yeah. Because we are, going, we are right. We're going to defend our rightness. And there's this portion of us that has to step out and look at it in another way. You know, the, the, there for the grace of God go I, mm-hmm. possibly. Where, okay, what kind of childhood did they have? Who are they? How, how are they educated? We like to project, which is put our worldview on everyone else and say, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't have done that because this, 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 and this. But you're giving your values to them, and they might not have those. Right, exactly. They might not understand that. They might have a completely different set of values. And I'm not saying that they're right, but I'm saying that once you have the, their perspective, you can understand better. And well, understanding really does help in does. the situation. Because it seems to change, I guess, as you let your mind expand and you understand more about these people it allows maybe space for compassion or other feelings to come in. Exactly. And compassion is a big one there because once you see what's going on, then things can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember a guy who was really upset with his father, just couldn't understand the man. You know, and, and a lot of us can. Right. Well, who can? I understand that. Right. You know, and he, but he had to walk, literally, uh, well, almost literally walk in his shoes, Hmm. talking to family members, because he didn't understand why his father was the way he was. And then he finally talked with an uncle, and an uncle just made a statement, and all of a sudden, everything fell together. Oh, interesting. I remember another guy in one of the groups I was doing, 
he, he went to his father's funeral, and his father was very distant, had nothing to do with him. Hundreds and hundreds of people came to it and said, what a wonderful man he was. He didn't even know who his father was. Mm. You know, because the mother was against the father, he sided with the, the, mother. the mother. So the, the, the husband, the father, went, had all these other friends who he helped yeah. because he wasn't welcome at home. Well, that's it. It seems like so much of this forgiveness is like just traditions of the fathers. We're just handing it down. And just this bias and discrimination that we have across the world and country, they're just traditions. They're not even, they're, they're not even based on – I mean, there's the Good Samaritan story. If, if we just knew who someone really was, if they, we just could see the divine spark in them, it would be powerful. It would change it. It's true. But, you know, as men, we're also trained as warriors. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, for generations and yeah. generations. And you can't have a lot of compassion for some guy you're throwing your sword at. Right. You right. Know, well, you've got to keep those away. stories alive, don't you? Yeah. So there's there's a justification there, and you know it's it's what we do. Yeah. It's natural to protect our own environment and our territory. But when you're talking about the highest in us, the the neocortex, when we're using that and the prefrontal lobes, which really what's what makes us human, then we're talking about a whole other different level. And it becomes our responsibility, I think, as men, to look more deeply at all of those conditioned trainings that mm-hmm. are not true. That's great. That's, that's incredible. You know, but that's not easy. No, no. That's not easy because the mind wants to blame and sure. point the finger at the other. You know, in AA they have this statement, when you point your finger at someone, three are pointed back at yeah. you. yeah. It seems like it may be easy. It's not easy, but maybe what most people that are in the desperate state that you were when you finally reached out for this kind of information, maybe it, all you need is to know it's possible. I mean, if our if our listeners can just know it is possible to find this forgiveness, maybe that's all they need. Absolutely. And then they Absolutely. go looking for it. And I think if you're if you're truly praying for help, you get it. I wasn't especially praying for health, but I had decided that, okay, I want God back in my life, hmm. and I don't know how that's going to happen. And when I started my, I did my list of upsets, and when I started on cleaning that up, there was this inner knowing or, or even voice that was dialoguing with me, and I'd say, okay, they did this to me. And this voice said to me, well, Jim, you've done that. Can you forgive them for what you've done? Interesting. Well, sure, I can forgive them for what I've done. And as I went down my list, a lot of that stuff I had done to others. Did did you go down your list one by one then, Jim? One by one, every single point. And you sought, like, a forgiveness for each one. First an understanding, it sounds like, and then came, I guess, the gift of the forgiveness. Well, and what happened was I could see the process, and this isn't a process for everyone, but it was the process that worked for me at the time. Mm-hmm. And it it's works for older people, I think. When you've led a full life, you've done a lot of stuff to people. That's right. how you've learned, the hard way. And I could see, okay, I did that to that person. Yep. Okay, so I can forgive them for what I did. And then the next response from the voice was, now can you forgive yourself? Oh, interesting, yeah. 
Well, that is always harder. That seems harder, doesn't it? Because that's the mental mechanism. We throw it out on other people are the things that are we don't want to see. We blame others, and then it's, we think it's not in our mind. It's still there. Right, totally. But we project it on others. Well, that forced me to look at forgiving myself. And we can't always do that. You know, I, it's, I was able to do a lot because I did 25 years of inner work. Right. But uh, sometimes we have to make amends. Sometimes we have to find a way to, fa- to gain forgiveness. You know, that yeah. might be making amends. It might be helping uh, someone else. I remember in Gandhi's movie where a man comes to him and said he killed this uh, man of, the, of another religion. And Gandhi said, well, then you need to raise a child of that, in that, uh, an orphan from that culture in that religion. Oh, interesting, yeah. You see, so I don't know what the amends would be for each person. You would go to your pastor, you would go to a therapist, or pray. Yeah. You know, really go into prayer and spend time. I'm not talking about 15 minutes. No. Sometimes it might take a week. Right. Where, okay, I'm going to spend this time. How do I deal with this? How and allow the promptings to kind of tell you. Exactly. That's, that's a powerful—I mean, it, it really is a spiritual journey, forgiving, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and we see—it seems like maybe that's just why we—I guess that and all the defense mechanisms you're talking about and the myths and— but it's just—it's so foreign to us, isn't it? It's just not—it's not this natural process. No, and we don't teach it in schools. No. And even the even the defense mechanisms, which were big in the 60s, you know, psychology has changed so much that even those defense mechanisms aren't talked about anymore. I was trained early, so I've gotten the benefit of all the different psychologies. Right. And that has made a difference. But I, I have laid all that out in the book because I just feel it's important that people should look at every aspect of the person they're trying to forgive and themselves. That's powerful. You know, plus all the different methods that are there to help. But if you don't get past the basic myths, which I list about 12 of them. Just give us a few. We have about one more minute. What are some more of those myths that really we need to knock off? Okay. Um, I'm just too angry or too hurt. Yeah, well, that's the way it is. You have to get past it. Yeah. You know, and the forgiveness will do that. They don't deserve it. Absolutely, they don't deserve yeah. it. But forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. Isn't that, that's the myth. I mean, forgiveness, it's not like you're healing them. Exactly. It's Some not... of the therapists say, you know, do it for them, but I don't. No, yeah. I don't. You do it for yourself. Before I forgive, I need an apology. Well, that's easy forgiveness. Come yeah. on. What about when they see it? A completely different way, and it's your fault. Right. It's never going to move. Yeah. So your life is dependent on them because you're waiting for an apology you're never going to get. That's crazy. That's right. It's crazy thinking. Well, yeah, you're they, just hurting yourself. Yeah, you've got to take care, control of your own life, and you've got to do your own forgiveness. And, you know, of course, if, if they're going to hurt me again, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it and if they're going to do true. it again. Love right. comes back when you forgive. And you have to take care of yourself. Right. 
You know, when I went in, when I was doing uh, teaching in the universities, I would get therapists who'd say, I don't want my abused uh, client to go back to her husband, and I don't either. Right. I worked in domestic violence. I don't want to see that. But you can forgive, let the love come back, and set limits to save your kids and yourself. That's powerful. Powerful Dr. Jim Dinkowski. Uh, appreciate that. Now, for those that want to get a hold of you, Dr. Jim, where do they go? How can they find you? What's your email? How can they contact you? Um, well, you can contact the, the, the best way is to go to the Forgiveness Foundation. That's forgivenessfoundation.org. And go to the website there because there's a lot more information. That's great. Also, how to forgive when you can't.com or how to forgive book. Dot com that that goes the book has a lot of information on what you can do on that you can get the ebook you can order from Amazon and then how to connect with me is are on both of those sites that's great so that's how to forgive when you can't there's no apostrophe in the can't dot com or how to forgive book dot com Dr. Jim Dinkowski, so appreciate your insight. Wonderful, wonderful ideas and tools blowing up some of these myths. Thanks for joining us. And for those of you, uh, please stick around. We're going to be coming back right after this to wrap up the Forgiveness Radio Show, how we can uh, take our lives back by letting go of the grudge. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Who's that... uh... Charlie Chaplin to him. Smile. Here we go, guys. One second to get in chatting to tat and to get 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 in chat and to get in chat and to tat and to chat to Smile though your heart is aching. Smile. Rich, live, unedited music. The kind of music that takes you back. The kind of music only played on Highway 89 every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. wish you had eyes like an eagle? Some advanced space technology brought down to Earth might be just what you're looking for. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Several years ago, scientists at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory were trying to study the harmful properties of sunlight to find better ways to protect the eyes of astronauts in space. The researchers studied eagles, hawks, and other birds of prey known for their keen eyesight. They learned that the eyes of these birds contain unique oil droplets that block intensely radiated light rays while allowing vision-enhancing light rays to pass through. This reduces glare and provides heightened color contrast and definition, even at great distances. Mimicking the eye protection of these feathered friends, the scientists developed a unique type of lens using light-filtering dyes and tiny particles of zinc oxide. The technology eventually became known as eagle eyes. These days, you can find the early NASA research incorporated in a line of cutting-edge sunglasses. The innovation was recently inducted into the Space Technology Hall of Fame. 
It turns out that having eagle eyes is just as useful when you're driving down the highway as when you're piloting a spacecraft. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up today's topic of letting go of the grudge and how to take your life back. We've had on a, a, a great guest, Dr. Jim Din Kelsey. Appreciate him and his insight. There really is a need to forgive, isn't there? And to just uh, let some stuff go. We can't keep carrying the crud. And so we've had a lot of great ideas from him. And I I hope that you've gained some insight as to what you can do. It's interesting. There's really a spiritual side uh, or a component to forgiveness. Um, And I just remember a story uh, that that struck me from former president of the the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, named Gordon B. Hinckley. He shared a remarkable story about forgiveness— And um, he basically was giving a speech or a talk, and he asked, how would you feel toward a teenager who decided to toss a 20-pound frozen chicken or turkey, sorry, from a speeding car headlong into the windshield of the car you were driving? How would you feel after enduring six hours of surgery using metal plates and other hardware to piece your face together and after learning you still face many years of therapy before returning to normal? and that you ought to feel lucky you didn't die or suffer permanent brain damage. Here's the conclusion to the story from a talk given in 2005. The New York Times quoted the district attorney as saying, this is the sort of crime for which victims feel no punishment is harsh enough. Death doesn't even satisfy them, he said. Which is what makes what really happened so unusual. The victim, Victorio Rivolo, a 44-year-old former manager of a collections agency, was more interested in salvaging the life of her 19-year-old assailant, Ryan Cushing, than exacting any sort of revenge. She pestered prosecutors for information about him, his life, how he was raised, and so forth. But this is only half the story. The rest of it, what happened the day this all played out in court, is the truly remarkable part. According to an account in the New York Post, Cushing carefully and tentatively made his way to where Ruvolo sat in the courtroom and tearfully whispered an apology. I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Ruvolo then stood, and the victim and her assailant embraced, weeping. She stroked his head and patted his back as he sobbed. And witnesses including a Times reporter, heard her say, It's okay. I just want you to 
make your life the best it can be. According to accounts, hardened prosecutors and even reporters were choking back tears. What a great story that is. Greater because it actually happened and that it happened in tough old New York. Who can feel anything but admiration for this woman who forgave the young man who might have taken her life? Somehow forgiveness accomplishes miracles that can happen in no other way. That's President Gordon B. Hinckley. The, the, um, the, he's, he's deceased. He was the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Forgiveness. And I hope you noticed just what you felt listening to the story. Did you notice the peace? Did you notice the, um, just the feeling of that's just right? That's just the way it should be. That's the spirit. That's the spirit we've been talking about on the show that, that heals you. That's really why we seek for forgiveness. Um, there's a great quote by a Reverend Carol uh, Huntley that says, You know you have forgiven someone when he or she has harmless passage through your mind. So let's start seeking after it. Let's go after and, and find the peace. Let's find the inspiration to help us. And, um, and let's, just, let's just be a lot more like Victorio Rivolo, who, uh, who was able to forgive, who just wanted people to find who they really are. Instead of holding everybody back to their biggest mistakes, let's, let, let's allow some forgiveness to come in. And as we allow some forgiveness to come in, what we know will also come in is the peace the peace that follows. Mother Teresa uh, once said, people ask me what advice I have for married couples struggling in their relationship. I always answer, pray and forgive. And to young people from violent homes, I say, pray and forgive. And again, even to the single mother with no family support, pray and forgive. So there's your challenge. Let's just go home. Let's start forgiving. Let's start using the inspiration and the light that's within us to start to pray and forgive. Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Every Monday through Friday, we're going to be here uh, to help you, to help you learn some of these skills and tools to make your your life a little better and to lighten your load. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show, and we'd love to hear more from you. If you'd like to give us a call or a text or an email, the best way to contact us is contact us at mattchat.com at byu.edu. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're discussing the debate on Capitol Hill. We're ready to take some calls from you, the taxpayer. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, Dad. Uh, David? Are we still going to the zoo? Uh, son, I'm in the middle of a show here. I know, it's boring. Well, it may seem boring, but... uh, Even you said it was boring. I said that? 